welcome along to the Brain for Business, Brain for Life podcast with me, Lawrence Dell, where we take the lessons from evidence-based academic research, most particularly involving the brain and behavioral sciences, and translate them in a way that is accessible for leaders and organizations. I'm delighted to welcome to this episode of Brain for Business, Brain for Life, Professor Kaylee Hackney. Kaylee Hackney is an assistant professor at the Baylor University Hancomer School of Business in Waco, Texas. She studies employee mistreatment, stress, and well-being with a focus on pregnancy in the workplace. Her research has been published in top academic publications, such as the Journal of Applied Psychology, Group and Organization Management, and Organizational Psychology Review. Kaylee teaches leadership and organizational behavior at Baylor University. Kaylee, you are very welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we are delighted to have you, um, even if the, the topic we're going to talk about might be a little bit sensitive for, uh, for, for some people. I guess that's probably more of a warning uh, before, we, uh, before we get into it. Because in, in recent research, you and some of your colleagues have focused on the impact of miscarriage in the, uh, in the workplace. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So perhaps you might start by telling us what exactly is miscarriage? Yeah, so a miscarriage is most commonly defined as a pregnancy loss that occurs during the first 20 weeks of pregnancy. And it actually occurs in roughly 15 to 20% of recognized pregnancies, which makes it the most common pregnancy complication. And I guess when you're talking about pregnancy loss, obviously you're it's the the involuntary uh, pregnancy loss as opposed to the, the the voluntary, if you will, which which might be an area of abortion and so on. Is that correct? Right, right. Okay. What then, on a really simple level, are the the impacts of of miscarriage on? I guess first and foremost, the 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 people, the the, the women who would experience uh, miscarriage. Yeah, so really the overarching impact is just that when women experience a miscarriage, um, there's grief involved with that. And this grief can be particularly complex because it's going to look different from woman to woman, um, but also because it's going, it, it can be, it's not always, but it can be disenfranchised grief, which means it's grief over a loss that's not necessarily publicly acknowledged or mourned. And then some of those outcomes associated with that grief can also be things like depression or anxiety, changed relationships with their spouse or their friends, and just other emotional or physical symptoms of grief. Okay, so it goes beyond the simply physical cessation, uh, involuntary, of course, of the pregnancy, and, and goes into the, the psychological, the emotional, and the relationship then as well. Right, yes. And if we... If we take that because you know in, in obviously the majority of cases or, or at a certain point there is always a, a partner involved um, of some description are those same impacts felt by the partner in the relationship the husband the spouse of, of, of whatever description as well yeah so most of the miscarriage research has actually focused on the mothers which which makes sense and even our research is focusing on on mothers and how they transition back to the workplace but there has been a few studies that, that look at fathers' experiences with it and the grief that they feel um, following a miscarriage. And there seems to be some similarities in how they make sense of it, but there's also some really big differences um, 
So one study looked at the narratives that mothers and fathers told with regards to their miscarriage experience. And fathers tended to focus more on the factual side of the miscarriage story and also really highlighted the, the support that they actually provided to their wife, whereas the women tended to focus more on the emotional aspects of their experience and really accentuated the support that they received. So men experience grief through a miscarriage, but it can look different from the woman's. And also there's, a, there's some research that shows that the father's experience with grief, although they may experience it, it seems to be a little bit less intense and maybe not, not endure as long as the woman's does. So I guess on a very basic um, physical level, you know, they're not the one who is carrying the, the, the fetus and who is experiencing those physical impacts, which might obviously also then lead to, to the emotional, psychological and so on. Right. And if we think about that, then do, do those same impacts also apply for, for things like, for example, stillbirth or, or, or are they different? So there's definitely a grief process that would be similar between the two. But whereas miscarriage occurs during the first 20 weeks of pregnancy, a stillbirth occurs anytime after that. And so some of the grieving process, like I said, is going to be the same for women working through a stillbirth and women working through a miscarriage. Um, but the key difference in between the miscarriage and a stillbirth in terms of the grieving process is that some a lot of times a miscarriage is invisible. And so people may not have even known that the mother was pregnant. And some people don't even recognize the fact that a miscarriage occurred. They don't necessarily recognize the fetus as being a baby. Um, and so they maybe consider that the mom didn't have long enough to bond with her baby even though research shows that it doesn't really matter how long the, the mother has been pregnant. Mothers can bond with their babies pretty quickly after they find out they're, they're expecting. And so, like I said, the, the difference here is just that, that invisibility aspect. And so with a miscarriage, that can cause disenfranchised grief, which I mentioned earlier is just grief that's incurred by a loss that's not openly acknowledged or publicly mourned or even socially recognized. And that can really complicate um, complicate things working through that grieving process if people don't even recognize that you actually had a loss. If a stillbirth occurs, people recognize that this woman has lost her baby and they come alongside her and provide support for her, whereas sometimes they don't necessarily recognize that to the same extent with a miscarriage. Another thing that can complicate, complicate it or just be different is whether women who experience a miscarriage are eligible for any type of bereavement leave. Um, sometimes employers have bereavement leave for the death of a child, but it's not always clear, you know, it, how, how far along do you have to be for it to be considered a death of a child? Um, so those are some of, the, some of the differences and the nuances that, um, that kind of come up. I noticed that when you were talking there and, and also in, in your writing, you use the term bereavement to describe miscarriage. Mm -hmm. With that in mind, how do the impacts of, of miscarriage differ from, from other sources of, of, of stress or, or grief or, or bereavement more broadly? Does it qualitatively differ or, or is that perhaps a bit hard to, uh, to, to comment on? Yeah, I don't know if I can speak to the fact that it, it's qualitatively different um, or a significant difference, but bereavement is simply just the period of grief, right, and mourning after a death. 
And so when you grieve, it's just part of that normal process of reacting to loss. And like I said, the, the key thing that makes miscarriage different from bereavement more broadly is just the secrecy and, and sh- sometimes even shame surrounding it. So like if you lost a spouse, no one would expect you to keep that a secret and walk through that experience on your own. Um, similarly, if, if you lost a child, but because most miscarriages happen before the 13th week of pregnancy, a lot of times women are actually advised to keep their pregnancies a secret up until this, up till this point. The implication being that if you have a miscarriage and if you lose your baby, you can at least keep it secret. But in terms of it just being different from other, other like significant sources of stress, um, one of the key sources of comfort and coping with stress is social support. And yet when you feel as though you have to keep a significant source of stress, such as having a miscarriage a secret, there's really no opportunity for individuals like family or friends or your supervisor or coworkers to step in and provide that necessary social support because they don't even know that you've experienced this loss because you feel like you have to keep it a secret. That makes a, a lot of sense when you put it like that. And also, I guess it, it, it sounds very sad in that, yeah. uh, that, that idea of just not being able to, to be able to share in, in, in what is and, and can be a, a, a very, a very sad moment in, in a person's, in a couple's life. Yeah. And I mean, um, this might be, this is going off a little bit, but so I actually had two miscarriages between my children. My, my son is almost seven and my daughter's three. And the first one around, I followed everybody's advice and didn't tell anyone that we were pregnant. And it was really, really hard to then like go to school. I was, I was a grad student at the time. It was hard for me to go back to school or, or work, whatever you want to call it, um, without and act like everything was normal. And um, so the second time around, I actually just told people pretty early and was very open about it. And because I did that, I had a lot more support the second time around. And it was it was just a much more um, it was just a much better experience to move through that grief than it was the first time because that, because I was more open. And that's going to differ from woman to woman. Some women are more are more willing to op- to open up about it. Some women maybe feel like they need to talk about it more. Um, so, you know, my case wouldn't be everybody's, but it did help. <laughs> no, I, I can understand that. No, I'm obviously on a personal level, I'm very sorry to, to hear that. And uh, I, can, I can see how that difference may, may have played out for you personally. And, and I guess, and, and apologies if I go off on a slight tangent, but to, to what extent would you feel that the, the challenges related to, to dealing with miscarriage are are unique or or, or perhaps part of a, a broader societal challenge of, of dealing with with what could be called women's issues in 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 the workplace and previously we, we've spoken to someone on the podcast about the menopause for example and some of the challenges about communicating that do you have any thoughts on that at all yeah so we like my research doesn't specifically address this so these are more just my thoughts <laughs> But um, I think the main key here when we're thinking about, quote unquote, like women's issues is really just that managers need to start considering and treating their employees as whole people because research shows again and again that the work and the family domains are interconnected and 
It's really ridiculous to think that employees can just show up at work without any baggage from home, from their family life. So of course, a miscarriage is going to impact women's attitudes and behaviors at work as she's working through this grief, right? She's working through this, this grieving process. It's a major, and it can even be a traumatic life event for her. So instead, instead managers who support their employees through their work and their family and their personal challenge, they're likely to see happier, more committed employees um, than if they just insisted on employees leaving everything at the door. Um, and when I say everything with regards to your question, things like all the challenges that come with, with menstruation or menopause or pregnancy, but really taking more of a whole person approach, I think would be, would be best. You, you stepped there in, into, I guess, uh, some of the things I was going to ask uh, about next, because putting aside, you know, the basic legal responsibilities, perhaps of a duty of care or, or whatever else might be in place in, in different countries, and obviously legal responsibilities of employers will vary from country to country, state to state, and, and so on. But what would you feel, and perhaps this links to your research, are the basic things that employers should and could do to better support those who have experienced a miscarriage? Yeah, so our research is really just right now at the, you know, um, we're just getting started with it. We got, we just finished interviewing several women who had had a miscarriage in the last year. And so we're hoping that this will be the the starting point for several um, qualitative, but also even quantitative studies for the, in the future. So some of the things we, we talked about um, in our research and like conceptually, but also some of the things that came up in speaking with these women is just the a first really big step would be for employers to just recognize that miscarriage is an actual loss and to provide some sort of bereavement leave or at the very least just provide some sort of flexible work arrangement for women who are going through it. Um, so like the physical loss and healing part of a miscarriage takes time and it may involve things like bleeding or severe cramping or fatigue that can last um, up to a week or even longer. And then on top of that, sometimes women have to go back to the doctor a few times a week until the fetus has been fully passed or even have to take off work to have a surgical procedure. So just that flexibility or the ability to take some time off without being punished for it is a huge step in the right direction. Some other ideas because women may not feel super comfortable coming to their supervisors to discuss things like taking work off or working remotely, would be best if these benefits surrounding pregnancy, pregnancy loss, could be made clear up front. Ideally, before the employee is even pregnant, um, it would be great if this was really a, a central part of the HR system that that it was um, obvious for women. Because that even in pregnancy, it can be really stressful trying to figure out how to navigate okay, how do I take maternity leave? Who do I talk to first? Is it okay if I take leave? How long can I take leave? All of those questions are super stressful at a time that's already stressful for women. And so just making that, that information available, um, ideally before it even happens. And then finally, another thing that employers could do is just offer some sort of counseling services, um, have that available for women, or at least just connect their employees with some counseling resources to help them cope with their grief following that loss. All of those things you may, may make a huge amount of sense. And, and, and I would hope that 
you know managers or, or employers who, who are listening to the podcast would would find them relevant and things they can uh, implement but i guess the question that comes to mind is how can employers managers overcome or, or deal with the, the challenge of, of respecting someone's right to privacy but also providing those necessary supports how, how did, might that work out you think yeah so it's really it's tricky right um i think the the best way to to approach this is on a, just an individual basis no recognizing that some women are going to need different types of support than others some women are going to be more upfront and others may have had a miscarriage and they're never going to tell you and and you just have to that that just has to be okay that's her choice so social support which is what like supervisors could actually provide or even coworkers could provide at work social support has been shown in multiple research studies to be really helpful in coping with stress but like you said, miscarriage is really private and it can be a very delicate topic that some people want to talk about and some people don't. So it really just, like I said, comes down to supervisors and even her coworkers being willing to be present, um, being willing to listen, being willing to, to, to have those conversations. That, that tends to be a central theme in coping with pregnancy loss is just that presence and being willing to listen. And then also, like I said, just responding to women on a, on a very individual basis. Some may want to take some time off, take it easy at work, and will just need, some, need a lot of support, maybe even with their workload, which is where their coworkers could come in. Um, but others might see work as a welcome distraction and not want their workload to be reduced at all. And so, like I said, being present, being willing to work with women on an individual basis, and then kind of circling back to, my, to your last question, Supervisors can also be helpful in making sure that women are aware of the type of benefits that are available to them. That did, that came up a lot in our interviews as well. Whenever we had them fill out like a survey prior to an interview, and we asked if they took any type of bereavement leave, and a lot of times what we what we found out was that women were like, "Oh wow, I had never even thought that I was that I would could even do that. Um, I didn't even think to look into that." And so again, just making sure that supervisors know can communicate those those benefits as well. Let me see. I feel like there was something else that I wanted to say. Oh, yes, because it's a private and a delicate topic, women may not want to talk to their supervisors about that, and that's okay. Um, in that case, supervisors could allow for just more more space for women to to talk to their family or their friends on the phone. Um, give them a little bit more space at work than maybe is is normal, um, just so she is getting that social support somewhere. I can imagine in that last instance as well, it might be a case of if a, if a woman does not want to talk to her manager for whatever reason, maybe having someone, for example, a trusted colleague or someone in human resources to, to act as a conduit who can at least maintain some form of communication if that privacy is, is, is key. Yes, yes, definitely. Not something that I'd necessarily thought about uh, and, until we were talking, but how important do you feel, and, and you may not have the answer to this, but how important do you feel are things like role models in this area? And to, to give you an example of what I'm thinking, a few weeks ago on, on television here in, in Ireland where I'm based, a, um, a, a, a very famous model, Irish model, former Miss World, 
spoke very openly about her own experience and in quite graphic detail of you know hemorrhaging and blood loss and everything that kind of went with it and and then ultimately uh, having a child by surrogate and and conceiving naturally and having her own child that way but to what extent do, do you feel that those role models people who are comfortable to say look this is natural i've experienced it how important is that do you think for for women I personally find it really important. You wouldn't believe how many people have reached out to me. So on my podcast, I did an episode on miscarriage and just kind of outlining our research, but I also talked about my own experiences. And you wouldn't believe how many women messaged me and just told me how how grateful they were that we were having these conversations. Um, because a lot of times, historically, miscarriage has been something that you don't talk about you typically only find out that someone else has had one when maybe they, you know, you have one yourself and then they come and they comfort you and, and tell you like, oh, well, I had this happen too. But it happens in almost 20% of pregnancy. So a lot of women have experienced this and yet we just don't talk about it. So I think I think the more people who step up and, and talk about their experiences, the more natural those conversations become probably will help with that invisibility aspect and that disenfranchised grief because all of a sudden it's something that's recognized, something that's traumatic and recognized as a loss. That, that makes sense. In, in terms then of you know, different, different practice, I know you've given some examples of things that employers can do, but are there any kind of really tangible examples that, that have come up through your own background research of, of really good practice, but also perhaps not so good practice that uh, people could maybe take on board? Yeah, so like I said, the, the best practice is it's just being willing to, to, to have the conversation and um, not force it, and, and, but be willing to listen, I guess, is, is the best practice that, that I could come up with. <laughs> just recognizing and validating that someone has had a loss and being willing to listen. It, it's okay even if you say like, I don't know what to say, but I'm really sorry for your loss. And then being willing to point them to different different support, um, like I said, counseling or to the different benefits that they might be eligible for, for being willing to um, step in and and work with them, you know, let them work remotely. So a lot of our interviews happened during COVID. And so a lot of women had had their miscarriage during COVID and were working from home, which actually ended up being kind of a blessing for these women because they were allowed to, they were allowed to go lay down if they needed to lay down, if they, if they were having cramps or they were allowed to be in the, just the comfort of their own home and wear pajamas instead of having to get dressed and go into work. Um, so really, uh, being open and, and willing to provide that flexibility um, or remote work for, for women. So those are some good things you can do. Some not so good things are trying to provide the same support to everyone. Um, like I said, support social support is really great, but it's not really great when you try to just force the same thing on everyone. So like I said, some, some women may see a reduced workload or being forced to work remotely. They might see that as a punishment. And so you don't want to provide support that they're not actually wanting. Um, they might see it as a punishment. They might even feel kind of discriminated against, like you're punishing them for having been pregnant, which is a whole nother conversation on pregnancy discrimination. But <laughs> um, let's see. And then there's just a lot of, there's several articles. If you Google it, 
there's so many articles that pop up about things not to say to women who have experienced a miscarriage. It's a lot of it has to do with just not validating her loss. Um, I, I, I looked it up, so I had a few examples, but it's things like, oh, it just wasn't your time or good thing it happened before it was a real baby or you can always try again. A lot of times people mean well, but when they say these things, they're not, they're not helpful. If anything, they just feel like you're invalidating um, our experience with miscarriage. You mentioned your podcast, you mentioned uh, your, your research. Mm-hmm. If people wanted to find out more uh, about the, the research and maybe listen to, to, to your podcast episode on, on miscarriage or any other episodes that you might have, where would you suggest they go to? Yeah, so I have a website you can go to. It's kayleehackney.com. Um, and all of my research articles are listed there and linked if you want to go and check those out if you're really into reading the academic stuff. Um, if you want a less academic conversation on work-life balance, work-life balance issues, and even just some of my research, you can check out the podcast, which is Elegant Balance. And that's anywhere you listen to podcasts on iTunes or Spotify or Google Podcasts, wherever you want, wherever you want to listen to it. Um, and then I would love to even just to connect on Instagram. I like to hang out over there, share research-based encouragement for women. My Instagram handle is at Kaylee J Hackney. Okay, fantastic. Kaylee Hackney of uh, Baylor University, thank you very much for your time. Yes, thank you. song, La La Song, Electronic Beat Time, and Dream Sequence by Lorenzo's Music is licensed under an attribution, share, and share alike license.